India Charts the truth about the markets India Charts publishes Nifty Daily daily video updates the weekly Elliott Wave outlook and the long shot report covering all asset classes the YouTube financial markets community has declared with greatest certainty that the United States is headed into a recession in the second half of 2023 or early 2024 some are even saying it may happen sooner than that very few are saying that oh well you might already be in a recession but the data doesn't show it the very few who had turned optimistic at the lows of october december or january also appear to have completely given up on the possibility that the us market can really continue higher because it's going to be faced with risks in the form of some credit event a slowdown in lending and eventual slowing of the economy that can result in a retest of the lows when it comes to the S&P 500 i have not seen such a consensus call that this is exactly how things are going to play out over the next 6 to 12 months based on more than a dozen youtube channels and the hundreds of experts that are interviewed on all of them so it's pretty bizarre in my mind that this is exactly how things are going to pan out and that there is no other way that it's going to happen it is bizarre it's almost like the end of the world is sketched in stone or at least the end of 2023 but the beauty of markets is that it's always full of surprises something changes and then a lot changes sometimes it's just time people are not even willing to compare what happened between 2000 and 2008 it's a long period almost 8 years which involved first the technology collapse then a resurrection of that or at least an attempt because tech stocks really didn't make it back to the highs but the s&p did or the dow did the s&p probably made a double top the dow a new high but that did not amount to a meaningful recovery yes you had some level of growth but it was a slow advance which eventually rolled over into a secondary decline something that took a long period of time to unfold and then you might actually call the entire period from 2000 to 2008 as you know one long bear market in the united states of america but the reflation of us equities uh, and markets because of the cut in rates and the stimulation well there wasn't any stimulation because there was no qe1 qe2 additional government spending but yes simply cut in rates that got at least the markets bouncing back between 2002 to 2007 while it did not really push us equities uh, up into a sporadic bull run the stability that it provided for that time being at least was enough to spur what ended up being a significant meaningful rally across emerging markets and the commodity complex in what was a falling dollar environment now it may not happen in the same time frame which is like 5 years or 7 years but the same kind of flow through can actually happen in a much shorter period of time at least for the time being what i can see when we look purely at the momentum setups across uh, things like the nasdaq the dow jones or even the bond market and why not consider the emerging markets index the eem msci eem or the nasdaq eem index if you take any of them they actually starting a fresh rally over the last uh, you know several days that is really interesting and it's because you've actually seen them correct from january to now and that correction appears to be over hitting exactly the 61% retracement and from that point starting to pick up all over again so while we are seeing that strength showing up in couple of these markets the news flow 
and the sentiment remains as bad as it gets. And the most recent banking crisis in the US has sort of played a significant role in that. Like I said, the few people who had actually turned a little positive appear to have turned very, very cautious after the recent banking crisis. And the fear really is how it will really impact growth because of a slowdown in credit in the second half of the year. Now, some of some of the facts may appear true, but I've tried to raise doubts on some of them in my recent short Morning Vibes Twitter videos. Things like, well, if you're thinking that all the action that has been happening on the Fed's balance sheet, the $300 billion that we saw flowing out in one week, and then you start extrapolating that, which means that if $300 billion per week is going to go, that's the extent of problem that we are really facing in the US banking sector. Did it happen? The answer is no. At least last week it didn't happen. This week's data may come out early next week. And if we are not seeing the same speed and pace of usage of the borrowing window that the Fed has given to the banks, then it really tells you that the problem is not reached epic proportions as is being stated out in various parts of market analysis. The other one is the recent movement of money out of banks into money market funds. Now, this one is more logical because even in India, when I did these spaces in December, I remember Deepak Shanoi and Ritesh Jain discussing the idea that even as rates are going up in India, you would actually, you know, get competition equities versus debt you know if if interest rates deposit rates are raised then people prefer fixed deposits over equities and some people may you know reduce their allocation to equity that's always a case if you're really looking at uh, you know safety over risk but of course risk always gives you higher reward at times and in an inflationary environment would you really want to be in fixed deposits unless you know real interest rates are really positive so that's a tricky call but definitely we haven't seen FD rates and deposit rates at the highs in India. What has ended up happening in the US though is many of the banks because they uh, are unable to pass on rising interest rates given that they ended up investing a lot in US bonds at much lower yields are facing a peculiar problem that if they are not able to offer higher deposit rates and bond yields have shot up to 4-5% and if some private debt is available at a higher rate then why wouldn't people really move their money out of banks into these you know these funds now, i've heard a lot of different types of analysis uh, like for example uh, european uh, analysts saying that well it's all nice to hear but it's not so easy really to move all your money out of banks into money market funds you try doing it and it's a cumbersome affair and a lot of people might just give up the us it might actually be easier to do something like that uh, my question is who's going to be doing it is it just the big depositors because they are the ones who make up 20 percent 15 percent of banking deposits I mean, it's every bank is not SVB Bank, which is Silicon Valley Bank, which had 80% of deposits with large depositors, especially the VCs. And in that situation, we understand that, okay, some funds want to withdraw money and they move it somewhere else and the bank collapses. But for some of the large banks, if you take a Bank of America or JP Morgan, they're not going to be having 80% or 90% of their depositors with corporate holders. It's the other way around. 80% is going to be retail. And if you've really heard the story that a lot of people in the US, except for high income earners, essentially live paycheck to paycheck or actually, I mean, I've heard those stories. I have no way of verifying, but if that's that somewhat got any kind of truth, then most people would not really have that much money to be moving out of banks into, you know, money market funds. They're going to need the money. So you're going to really just move it away from one place to another and then have the requirement to withdraw to meet your monthly expenses. So it's really tricky how to really extrapolate something. And I would want to actually see, just like I said in the case of the Fed window, 
if withdrawals are not so big then do we really have a problem and similarly whatever i am saying could be right or wrong but the best thing to do is to actually watch what happens over the next 15 days one month to what extent is money still flowing out of banks into money market funds you know how many people are taking that kind of action and what level of cash problem is really getting created and on the other side the fed has provided the window if you have a problem of cash we have all the liquidity you need so really it will not become a liquidity crisis the real crisis which is being pointed out as well if the banks don't have the money how are they going to lend now of course if they borrow from the fed at a higher interest rate they would have to lend at a higher interest rate which completely changes the parameters and the higher rate might really not find the requisite demand for those funds and so it's tricky but banks can be patient if they take a call that bond yields are going down which they have started to do they can simply say fine we don't borrow now we let the rates come down and then we borrow but of course that means if they wait and they're not lending there is a slowdown in credit and if there's a slowdown in credit there's a slowdown in the economy and in growth which can result in if not an outright major broad based recession some kind of a meaningful slowdown in the us economy so i think that's the risk that everybody is fearing and starting to believe that if uh, that's what really happens then what will be the impact on stocks because if earnings decline then stocks go back to retest the lows and that fear is sort of gotten heightened i would say uh, given what everything that i'm listening to every every other interview every other discussion that i go to it's the same thing over and over again so this is the most like i said consensus call on youtube that a us recession is extremely likely in the second half of this year it's just coming it's there it's right there don't miss it and that's where i get scared i mean a consensus call i've been here before and every time i've been on a consensus call it's actually not happened something just changes and that is why i'm least confident uh, the approach is really going to be looking at price action because markets can be tricky if every everybody has a consensus view and if they are positioned for it now this is the catch which means that if they've all gone short or they've all sold the stocks they need to for that sell off then there's no selling left to be done and the market really goes the other way so this is how technical rallies get built up you can surely call it a bear market rally but the scale and size is where estimates can go completely wrong and what we look when we look at the technical setup of global equities us us equities say for example the nasdaq rmi which is my proprietary rohit momentum indicator on the monthly charts has crossed over to the buy side which means it's done a bullish crossover something that did not happen in the 2008 bear market or in the 2000 bear market till it was completely over so why is it happened now why have these equity indices recovered back above their monthly averages and given buy signals when the worst is really ahead of us so this really makes you think i mean something is not right over here either in the narrative or in the stock price action and can you really be sticking to the stock price you know against the stock price action holding on just waiting for the worst to come in you really need to time it so i think till you don't get the next clear cut sell signal whatever may be the underlying case it's really not playing out right now and the timing is completely wrong so that is my main point and that is what we see in extreme sentiment data in india as well over the last month even as prices have tried to drag lower mid cap indices broke the shelf support they were holding for several months for a short period of time mostly i believe because of tax selling because in the last week i think a lot of people are booking losses and trying to adjust their gains earlier in the year so they don't have to, so they have to pay less taxes and that's led to a lot of mid cap selling in the last 4 to 5 days or one week prior to the year end that is over so that pressure is also is in that light when we look at the 
point where we had the highest short positioning of FI, something we've repeated over and over again. We also ended up with the largest long positions on record uh, in terms of the DIs. There was only one other la largest position, which was on the tax cut date, which is when the FM announced uh, corporate uh, tax rates to be lowered to a minimum of 25% in uh, September of uh, 2019. At that point on that one day, DIA's uh, long positions had gone to an all-time high of almost 81,000 contracts. Otherwise, it was always less than that. And this time around, we've reached around 78,000 contracts long last week before expiration. So, so it's a significant tell on where they were. And if you think DIA's are not a good indicator, wake up because they were the ones who were short with the highest short position both in October 2021 at the top that occurred back then. And they were also short at the top at 18,800 in December of 2022. And this is what happens when people don't really pay attention to data because that's not what you do for a living. But this is what it is. Uh, that positioning has changed. DIs are not short anymore. They are the longest long. They have taken the other side of the stick. History shows they have been right at least the last couple of times. And so I'll pay attention to market price action in the coming weeks in line with what they're really indicating. Overall sense of things, if pessimism is at this height, at least the pessimism needs to cool off before anything bad can really happen. What else can go wrong? You've had a banking crisis. You've had a rate hiking cycle, which is sort of close to reversing. Bond yields are already falling. You've also had geopolitical events, which means almost a near war between Russia and Ukraine. Of course, that's some people say that is a war. Uh, but not become global. You haven't. Ha you are not not anywhere close to getting a China-Taiwan conflict, as far as I can see right now. In fact, China is the support to the world because China has started to grow in the post-unlock trade environment, exactly like we did or the US did maybe one and a half year ago. Uh, once we started to open up our economies, we started to stimulate lower rates, get everything on track. People started to travel. And growth was back. You're seeing absolutely the same pattern slowly, one step at a time. USP, uh, the Chinese PMI, which came in, I think, on Thursday or Friday, 58 versus 56 earlier, clearly showing a growth trend. And so completely different picture when you look at that part of the market, uh, which is one part of the significant part of the world economy, which is probably going to play that rebalancing part. Everybody is trying to judge this one also. You know, is China going to be the one balancing things out in what looks like a global slowing down? Or is the slowdown in other parts of the world going to pull everyone else down? Well, if you've seen the performance of Europe, which is far ahead of US, FTSE already hit an all-time high last month, I think in Jan, when it rallied, and has pulled back only with the US markets marginally this month. Those markets are more closely linked to uh, the Asian or Chinese economies, and therefore, they're actually doing much better. You know, and uh, whatever correction was there in the emerging markets in general, at least when we look at the EM index, which I already spoke of, is already starting to recover. India has been the odd guy out. I think when Europe and Asia performed in January, we continued to decline because we had our own issue propping up, which was the Adani group crisis. And what followed was a budget which had many positives. But as we are learning, well, there are a few quirks in terms of tax increases uh, and some changes which people may or may not like but they are a step towards what we call tax simplification and that's a long-term course that we have to take if we really want to simplify tax we have to do away with a lot of these uh, deductions and rebates so that's something we are getting used to we've done away with you know tax saving 
schemes uh, insurance companies that were selling those uh, really took a big hit because of those flows and then we just realized that you know a lot of the debt funds would not get the same tax status that they were getting earlier so these changes are uh, definitely can play a short term negative but they probably have and they they may get even discounted on the other hand in uh, on the long term what i'd really want to see further is a reduction in the individual tax rate if you actually moving away from you know uh, allowing various deductions that were you know making the tax compliance complicated when you're simplifying just like you did on the corporate side where if you don't use any of the uh, earlier schemes then you get a 25% tax rate uh, similarly here if you're not using any of the deductions or exemptions then individual taxpayers also should get a much lower rate i think they did a marginal uh, reduction in the peak rate from you know 42 to 37% but i think there's room to do a lot more and i would really hope they go there if not next year after the next election because next year is going to be a pre-election budget so they might really not be many changes over there but uh, that's the direction in which we are really moving so in a nutshell i think it's time to end the pessimism and turn optimistic when everybody and everything is pessimistic that's the best time to be optimistic i know it's difficult to do but then so was it at the end of the pandemic uh, at the end of the great 2020 march crash most people found it difficult i think almost for 6 to 8 months nobody was positive as far as i know uh, because that's just not how people think they they always looking at current data uh, and not and they're not forward looking they're always backward looking so everything that you're hearing and seeing today is an impact of the past which means the rate hiking cycle its impact on the banking sector the slowdown that it has already caused that's what you're reading about you're not reading about what happens afterwards what happens when the cycle turns what happens when such a turn happens in an inflationary environment versus a deflationary environment you're hearing comparisons to 2000 and 2008 which may be irrelevant and what is more relevant is a comparison with the 1970s when you actually had inflationary cycles how did the yield curve really behave with the markets what happened when bond yields fell did a pivot result in a crash if you don't know all of that last week's weekend with india charts actually discussed that with charts looking at each part of the cycle how that really happens and manifests and i think it's really important that you you actually go and look at the weekend with india charts episode 95 from last weekend uh, and then come to this weekend because this weekend is very direct in terms of what are the alternate outcomes in what the index can really do what is the structure and what different paths it can take so we've actually if you listen to both of these episodes you'll have a sum total idea of what we are really thinking and what all can really happen and fairly more realistic i would say than anything else that i'm hearing because like i said a lot of comparisons a lot of thoughts are coming based on recency we call it recency bias in behavioral finance people are not not looking really far back enough that something can really change and outcomes can be different than what we are really thinking and i think i'm trying to watch out for that not going to lo- lose keeping an eye on the possibility that something goes wrong sure we should always be careful about that so we know what to look for we know what data points to look for and what signals to look for if something goes wrong but till that happens i think uh, also be aware that everything doesn't always follow the same expected path that it did before it can always change and there's a lot more history that you need to study to see how things can really go out differently and lastly if there's a consensus call that's the most scary one because if everybody thinks this is exactly how things are going to play out then i'm worried about that consensus call because it may not happen exactly as expected thank you
Nothing in this podcast is investment advice. Views on financial markets are in good faith to expand your understanding of how markets work. Please consult a registered financial advisor for the same. And yes, please share this podcast with everyone you think can benefit from this knowledge.